Hi, and welcome to this audio edition of Polygamy, What Love Is This? with host Doris Hansen. On this program, we discuss polygamy and Mormon fundamentalism from a biblical Christian perspective. We talk about the history of polygamy, its modern-day fruit, share stories from people who have escaped polygamy, and talk about current events relating to polygamy. You can learn more about the video edition of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. And now, here's Doris. Welcome to Polygamy, What Love Is This? I am your host, Doris Hansen, and we want you to know that we call our show What Love Is This? because we want to you to ask the question, if God really loved us, would he require an abusive and painful lifestyle like polygamy? Well, we do know that God does love us, and we also know that he did not command polygamy. It was men who have commanded it and do command it. It isn't God. And if you or anyone that you know uh, is in a polygamy group and you would like to escape, you'd like to get out safely, a Shield and Refuge ministry can help you. The link is on the screen. Uh, it's shieldandrefuge.org and also the toll-free telephone number, which is 877-425-9993. And all information is held strictly confidential. If you would like to make comments or ask questions about any of our television shows, we have an email address it's email at whatloveisthis.tv and the telephone number for calls regarding the show is 385-240-2888. And now I would like to introduce our very special <laughs> guest co-host, our returning very returning special co-host, Earl Erskine. And thanks again for being it's here. It's a pleasure to be here and great topic tonight yeah. as we've covered some of these women of Joseph Smith. And, uh, his choice of yeah. plural wives, yeah. yeah. And we have been presenting a series of Joseph Smith's plural wives, and most of our information has been taken from Mormon historian Todd Compton's book, In Sacred Loneliness. But some of our information also comes from George D. Smith's book, Nauvoo Polygamy, and they're both very good resources to discover early Mormon polygamy and Joseph Smith's polygamy. Uh, this time we're going to present two more of Joseph Smith's third 33 plural wives, wife number 10, which was Marinda Nancy Johnson, and wife number 11, Elizabeth Durfee. But first we're going to present uh, Marinda Nancy Johnson, Hyde Smith. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Marinda lived Several. in 19th century Mormon history. She lived in Kirtland, in Nauvoo, and also in Utah. Marinda was the wife of Orson Hyde, but she was also the polyandrous wife of Joseph Smith, whom she married while her husband was away on a Mormon mission. Marinda Nancy Johnson was born in June of 1815 in the state of Vermont. Her family moved to Ohio, where her father was a farmer. In 1830, she was introduced to the Book of Mormon, but she did not become a believer. The family met Joseph Smith in Kirtland, where they all converted except Nancy. However, she was later converted and baptized at the age of 15. Now, the revelation on polygamy had supposedly been received in 1831, and Joseph Smith often married women where he had either stayed in their homes or they had stayed in yeah. um, in their in her home, his home, and it was in while Joseph and Emma were staying at the Johnson home that um, he first met Nancy, and is where the tar and feathering incident took place. It was on the night of March twenty fourth, eighteen thirty two. After they had fallen asleep, a mob of about 40 or 50 men broke into the house looking for Joseph Smith. And we want to quote some of that incident from 
in sacred loneliness. A mob disguising themselves as black men gathered and burst into his, Smith's, sleeping apartment one night and dragged him from the bed where he was nursing a sick child. They also went to the house of Elder Rigdon and took him out with Joseph into an orchard where after choking and beating them, they tarred and feathered them and left them nearly dead. Now, Luke Johnson's um, was Marinda's brother, and he said that Joseph Smith was stretched out on the board, and they tore off his clothes and intended to emasculate him. And Dr. Dennison was there who was supposed to perform the operation, but when he saw Joseph Smith stripped and stretched on the plank, he said he couldn't do it. There were two possible motivations for the mobbing. One was that some people believed that Joseph Smith had been too intimate with yeah. Marinda. He had a reputation with the women. And they even suggested that he may have already made her his plural wife or that Joseph Smith had taken sexual liberty with her. Now, there are many who argue against this reason. Marinda wrote in her journal that Joseph Smith was uh, acting properly towards her. And it could be possible that Marinda became his first plural wife at that time, but evidence does not support that it actually happened. Another possible reason for the mobbing is more likely this reason that we'll read on page 231. In these accounts, the reason for the violence is economic. The Johnson boys were in the mob because of the horrid fact that a plot was laid to take their property from them and place it under the control of Smith. The castration in this scenario may have only been a threat meant to intimidate Smith and cause him to leave Hiram. So, you know, the Mormons, yeah. were they were violent to some of the people around yeah. them. And Mor Mormon history normally gets it the other way around, that only the others were violent to yeah, the Mormons. But it was a two-way street there. In either case, it's clear that the people who knew Joseph Smith's reputation of seducing females were afraid he may compromise their own wives or daughters. In 1833, the Johnson family moved to Kirtland, where Marinda met her future husband, Orson Hyde. And they were married in 1833. 34, she was 19 and he was 29 years old. Now, Marinda's next 15 years of marriage were mostly spent alone, separated from her husband while he was away on missionary journeys. In those early days, missionaries' wives endured impossible hardships. Orson Hyde left on a mission in 1835. Marinda was expecting their first child, and that child was born in December and died at birth. Uh, their second child was born uh, May 21st of 1837, and less than a month later, Orson Hyde was sent to England on a mission, leaving Marinda with a three-week-old baby. In 1838, they moved to far west Missouri, <clears throat> but the following October, they became disenchanted with Joseph Smith, as we read from In Sacred Loneliness. A week later, Hyde signed an <coughs> affidavit prepared by Marsh, alleging that Mormons had plundered Gallatin and that Joseph Smith planned to take this state, and he professes to his people to intend taking the U.S. and ultimately the whole world. If he, Joseph Smith, was let alone, he would be a second Mohammed to this generation, and that he would make it one gore of blood from the Rocky Mountains to the Atlantic Ocean. It also described Mormon raids against non-Mormons, and asserted that Smith advocated death for saints 
who refused to fight. So Orson Hyde signed this affidavit, yeah. and it didn't make Joseph Smith look very good no. to people who read it. And of course, they're all about image, and it contributed actually toward his arrest uh, and imprisonment in the Liberty Jail. So during the following five months, Orson Hyde did not affiliate with the Mormons. But he must have felt some kind of loyalty or I'm Miranda sure. must have because he decided to humble himself and return to the church. And Heber C. Kimball put in a good word for Joseph Smith. Uh, and on June 27th, Joseph Smith wrote that Orson Hyde had made his confession and was restored to the priesthood again. However... It's interesting that there's no mention that Orson renounced his allegations against Joseph Smith, just that he was sorry that he, he had spoke it. them <laughs> out loud. In 1840, Orson Hyde was sent on a mission to Palestine and left his wife Marinda with two small children to struggle alone in his absence. Now, a very grim picture is painted of Marinda in Nauvoo as she struggles alone to raise her two daughters during a time of chronic sickness and poverty with her husband away. We read from In Sacred Loneliness again. Before her marriage, she had been blessed with plenty, but now as troubles increased, their means decreased, and she had to live in a little log house whose windows had no glass, but in place of which were pieces of greased paper. A little cornmeal and a few groceries were all the provisions remaining to sustain her and the little ones. Had she been well and strong, this might not have been so de dreadful, but she was unable to move about after being confined to her room with ague. She took in knitting, taught a little school, and by the dim light of the candle at night, did what little sewing she could. They really treated the missionaries' wives poorly That's in the, during those times, and they went through a lot of pain and trouble like that and poverty. Uh, and, and Mormon women were exploited yeah. during that time as well, and they were pressured by the Mormon male leadership, of course, to become plural wives yeah. and to be faithful uh, and all these things that, that didn't drain from the coffers that the church could help them. But Joseph Smith proposed. He saw what had happened. Somebody had reported what was going on with Miranda, and he saw what had happened, and he proposed plural marriage to Miranda, despite the fact that she was already married to Orson Hyde and was the mother of two of his children, his two children. Joseph Smith had been friendly with Miranda ever since they had lived at her home during the time of the tar and feathering, but Joseph Smith was an opportunist opportunist and his opportunity to seduce Marinda came when he noticed her inadequate housing and living conditions. But why couldn't he just help her? Why did he have to marry her and yeah. seduce her into polygamy? Could have provided for her otherwise. Yes, he could have. Joseph Smith also always claimed God as his authority. He came to Marinda with a revelation, which of course has never been canonized, and this is part of it. <laughs> Verily thus saith, well, verily saith the Lord unto you, my servant Joseph, that inasmuch as you have called upon me to know my will concerning my handmaid Nancy Marinda Hyde, behold, it is my will that she should have a better place prepared for her than that in what she now lives in order that her life may be spared unto her. Now that's part of the revelation, and it brings in the point to where he's saying God says that she needs a better place to live. Yeah. Well, you know what? It didn't take God to, to show 
Joseph Smith that. So he sent her, he, he approached her and he sent her to live with Ebenezer Robinson until Orson Hyde returned from his mission. Now Joseph Smith always had an eye to the women and to opportunity and he had more to say in this uncanonized revelation and this is part of what he said to her. This is on page 236. And let my handmaid Nancy Marinda Hyde hearken to the counsel of my servant Joseph in all things whatsoever he shall teach unto her, and it shall be a blessing upon her and upon her children after her unto her justification, saith the Lord. So now this is the part of the revelation where he introduces polygamy to her. And notice it says that she's supposed to hearken to all that uh, uh, that Joseph Smith will counsel her to, and that is polygamy. And he did. He taught her polygamy or polygamy since she was already married. Now, I wonder if part of the reason Joseph Smith picked on her to uh, was to get even with Orson Hyde for the, signing that for the, affidavit yeah, earlier. Those, yeah, that's very possible. <laughs> Almost every woman who was first introduced to polygamy and polyandry expressed shock and revulsion when first presented with the idea of polygamy. We read from page 238. Some Mormons, male and female, had suicidal feelings when they were first told they were required to practice polygamy. As Miranda was apparently sincerely in love with Orson Hyde, polyandry must have been enormously difficult for her. It, it's, it, I can't imagine what a woman would go through already married her husband away yeah. and the prophet comes. And she's also in this poverty situation and isn't able to really take care of herself and right. her family. And she might almost feel obligated to. Maybe he won't take care of me if well, I don't do and this. And like you say, it's, he's, it's, he's the prophet too. Yeah, he's yeah. the prophet. That's right. Sidney Rickton had something to say about this marriage. We read from page 238. Yeah, Orson Hyde, by and by, finds out the trick which was played off upon him in his absence by his two faithful friends. His, digni <clears throat> excuse me, his dignity becomes offended, and well it might, refuses to live with his wife, but to be even with his companions in iniquity, takes to himself three more wives. <laughs> so this is in time. It's almost like a, a knee-jerk reaction. Yeah. Well, if you're going to do this to me, I'm going to do yeah. this to you, kind of. But Sidney Rigdon said that Joseph Smith's marriage to Marinda was a trick that they played on Orson really? Hyde. And Eliza Webb Young said that Orson was extremely upset when he came home and found that his wife had married Joseph Smith in his absence and he had every right to be upset. Yes, That's a certain. And it was a dirty trick that Joseph Smith played on every married woman and her husband and each single woman when he took plural wives, whomever he chose. Not to mention the dirty trick he played on his own wife, Emma, each time he took another plural wife. Some of Joseph Smith's plural wives helped him make additional plural marriage arrangements. Smith had yeah. proposed to Sidney Rigdon's 19-year-old daughter, Nancy Rigdon, and she turned him down. So Marinda became a go-between to encourage her to marry Joseph Smith. We quote from page 240. In early April, Smith decided he wanted to marry Nancy Rigdon. So on April 9th, he asked Marinda to arrange a meeting between him and the teenager. Marinda met Nancy and told her that Joseph wanted to see her at Marinda's residence. 
So she's offering, you know, the encouragement yeah. for Nancy and her home for Nancy to come so Joseph Smith can propose to her. And tell her it's okay to do it, It's I okay guess. to do yeah. it, yeah. Well, Nancy arrived, and Joseph Smith proposed to her in a private room. She was outraged and immediately demanded they, they let her go. And Eliza Webb Young wrote this about Smith's marriage to Orson Hyde's wife, Miranda. When he, Hyde, returned, he in turn imbibed the teachings of polygamy also. In the meantime, it was hinted to him that Smith had had his first wife sealed to him in his absence as a wife for eternity. Hyde was in a furious passion. He did not propose having his rights interfered with, even by the holy prophet. And he swore that if this was true, he would never live with her again. But he did live with her for several years after the exodus from Nauvoo. So you can imagine he would be in a passion, I yeah. mean, you, you, uh, an angry passion about that. It's a horrible thing. And the following year, Orson Hyde decided to get into polygamy, just like his wife did, and, and he proposed to Mary Ann Price. <laughs> she rejected his proposal, oh. so he turned around and proposed to 23-year-old Martha Browett, and she accepted, and they were married, and that was his first plural wife. And oddly enough, in that marriage, Marinda stood as witness wow. to his plural marriage ceremony to Martha. So it's just pain piled upon pain when oh, it comes to polygamy. I just can't imagine the jealousy and the the pain that it, that this would cause. You know. it, it took place then and it takes place today. Yeah. You know, So after following the Mormons to Utah, Orson Hyde married and had children with eight additional wives. But after 34 years of marriage, Marinda divorced Orson when he, at 60 years old, took 18-year-old Sophia Margaret Lyon as another plural wife. He was 60, and she was 18. Sounds kind of like contemporary yeah. Mormon polygamy, doesn't yeah, it? it does. You know, uh, Marinda had enough, and she divorced him. But here he is, a 60-year-old man marrying an 18-year-old girl. And people today in this culture, not polygamous, but mostly the LDS, just shudder when they see what the polygamous people are doing. Imagine Warren Jeffs, that old man taking these young girls. Well, look what... Joseph Smith, they don't, they don't Horse even and know Hunt. their own history. They don't even yeah. know they're in history because that's precisely what, what their historical doing. prophets did. Yeah. And, you know, you can go down into um, Sanpeak County and there's a huge monument to Orson Hyde. They sent him down there in Sanpeak County to, to, uh, to work. And, and so he is honored yeah. in Mormon history. Yeah. But look what he did. 60 years old, married an 18-year-old girl as his eighth plural wife. And of course, this is yet another tragic story of Joseph Smith's polygamy and polyandry where so many men and women were hurt by his false revelation of polygamy. And he always, always blamed it on God. Yeah, Always commanded. blamed it on God. Yeah. And you know what? If anything is horrible, if all of everything that's horrible about polygamy, that's the worst, that he blames all it on God. in the name of God. That he does it in the name of God. That's yeah. the worst. So that is, was wife number 10, Nancy Marinda Johnson. Our next one is, is uh, wife number 11, Elizabeth Davis Goldsmith Brackenberry Durfee Smith Lott. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> so many last names. But we'll refer to her as Elizabeth Durfee. Now, her husband was Gilbert Goldsmith who was a sailor, and his, his boat had capsized in a storm, and he drowned, so that made Elizabeth a widow at age 20. 
And she then married, I think a couple of years later, a few years later, she married Joseph Brackenberry, and they moved to Ohio, which wasn't too far from Kirtland, and they met the Mormons and were baptized in 1831. Later, Brackenberry left on a mission, and he left Elizabeth uh, home alone with five young boys oh to raise. But at 41 years old, Brackenberry died, leaving her a widow for the second time. Mm. Well, she met Jabez Durfee who was a widower, and they got married when she was 43 years old. Jabez was part of the Mormon paramilitary in Missouri, better known as the Danites. So he's somebody to be reckoned yes. with if he was a yeah. Danite. They moved to Illinois after the Mormons were expelled from Missouri. And when she was 48 years old, Joseph Smith gave Elizabeth a patriarchal blessing. The Durfee and Smith family became asso began associating with each other, and she soon became part of the Mormon elite. Now, there's not a lot of detail about jo uh, Elizabeth's marriage to Joseph Smith, but there are journals that record that the marriage took place. Sarah Pratt mentions that Mrs. Durfee said she had been one of Joseph Smith's wives. Joseph Smith and Durfee were married in the spring of 1842. She was 51 years old and Joseph Smith was 36. This is one of the few So times. we have kind of a turn yeah. there. It's kind yeah. of odd, but everything he did was odd. <laughs> Elizabeth played the part of a mediator for Joseph Smith as he scouted around for other and younger plural wives. And that might be why he married hers, because yeah. she was one of the strongest mediators oh. for him to get she younger wives. go out and encourage others to, mm -hmm. that's possible. And really made, made it sound good for them. And another one was Patty Bartlett Sessions that we talked about her a few wives ago, actually. And uh, she often played a part of, of mediator to recruit plural wives for Joseph Smith. We read from page 260 of In Sacred Loneliness. Of the marriage itself, little is known beyond the following. As a senior plural wife, Elizabeth helped Joseph Smith arrange new polygamous marriages. And as was always the case with Smith's polyandrous wives, she continued to live with her first husband. Jabez was an active, faithful Latter-day Saint. He may have known about the marriage. And the way it looks, he probably did know, yeah. but it didn't, you know, Joseph Smith was the prophet and he was a Danite, you know, and so there was Very probably loyal to Joseph that loyalty. Whatever he said went. And God said it was okay, yeah. remember that. Elizabeth was sometimes referred to as a mother in Israel because she would teach the younger women the principles of polygamy and she would facilitate the marriages to Smith. We quote from page 260. Elizabeth figures as an intermediary in Smith's marriage to the Partridge sisters and such a duty was invariably given to women who had already been linked to him by marriage. Okay, so that was uh, the intermediary that she was yeah. filling in that particular incident. Sister, uh, which, sisters. And we'll talk about them in yeah. a few weeks. But anyway, uh, on page 262. She continued in her capacity as older plural wife, facilitating Smith's marriages to younger wives. Shortly before March 4th, she invited Emily and Eliza Partridge to her home. Emily later wrote of this visit. She introduced the subject of spiritual wives, as they called it in that day, and wondered if there was any truth in the report she heard. Emily, who had recently received a proposal from Joseph Smith, did not reply. I learned afterward that Mrs. Durfee was a friend of plurality and knew all about it. 
So even though it was held in high secrecy, you know, from, from those who were doing it yeah. to the other Mormons and also to the public, they, the people that were in it and practicing it knew, yeah, knew what was it. going on, you know. All well, these and little... to use the word spiritual wives yeah. gives you the connotation that the, the local regular marriages that you've involved in, what, what would you call them? Uh, <laughs> Secular mm -hmm. marriages don't count as right. in, they're not as important as spiritual wives. And that's exactly the way Joseph Smith taught it too, by the way. Yeah. He taught that all marriages that were not done by the Mormon priesthood were not legitimate marriages. And that, that gave him latitude to that gave him latitude to, to marry married women. Married women. Yeah. Married. It's not it's kinda of convoluted mess. <laughs> A couple of years after his death, Elizabeth was sealed to Joseph Smith for eternity, but records indicate that she and her husband Jabez were no longer living together at that time. However, however, Jabez remained a faithful Mormon. Now, Elizabeth lived her final years with her sons, and I find this very interesting, that she and her sons were later baptized into the RLDS church. Really? Obviously, now in order to do that, she would have to forsake polygamy and the Brigham Mormons that went west. Sure. Because the RLDS absolutely did not believe in polygamy. They didn't even believe that Joseph Smith had practiced it. They thought it all came from Brigham Young. That's right, and that's when uh, that third son of, some, of Joseph, Joseph Smith, Smith came out here mm -hmm. to, to learn if it had been true that Joseph had He came out here to prove it wasn't true, right. and the opposite happened. He, he ended up in the insane asylum because he yeah. couldn't handle that kind of information about his husband. Wow. And Emma, even, or about his, about his father, but Emma uh, really had difficulty admitting that he had been a polygamist. Yeah. You know, and she, of course, was a part of the RLDS when it started, too. Yeah. So Elizabeth becomes part of the RLDS and gets baptized into it. And um, so she had to have forsaken the Mormon polygamy that she was part, had been part of, yeah. which makes you wonder if she really believed it, but she was just, you know, she was with the Mormon elite and the prophet had asked her to help. And so that's what she was doing. And it gave him, uh, you know, <laughs> a, a little help. Yeah. from the side, from the women. Elizabeth died November 10th of 1876 at 85 years old. And again, this is two more of Joseph Smith's plural wives. Both of them were already married women that he had taken uh, as additional wives for himself. So not only did he live polygamy with single women, with young girls, but also with married women. If you really believe that Joseph Smith was a prophet, I can understand even why some Latter-day Saints go to polygamy because that is yes. the original document. That's original Mormonism. Original Mormonism. And, and you know, there's many times I've said... I always thought that was that, crazy. That, yeah, that's right. It is. Original Mormonism, you just look at the Mormon uh, polygamy groups today yeah. and they practice so closely to what original Mormonism was really like. Yeah. Uh, and it's sad, yeah, it especially when they are trying so hard to maneuver themselves into mainstream, believing that they're mainstream Christianity, but none of these things are Christian. No. Well, thanks, Earl, again, yes, for sharing pleasure. again the information. In the beginning, God made male and female as equals, and Jesus affirmed God's plan of equality for women. Yet, 
uh, even today. Around the globe, patriarchy refuses to release its tenacious grip of power and control over women. Some religions are a stumbling block to equality, but not Christianity. God sees male and female as equals. Galatians 3.28 says there's neither male or female, for we are all one in Christ Jesus. Polygamous women should exercise their rights of freedom and equality, and we should encourage them to battle for freedom from polygamy. Women suffer under patriarchy, and it's time they enjoyed equal rights in everything, including the right to have their own personal husband, just as God ordained it to be. See you next time. This has been the audio podcast edition of Polygamy, What Love Is This? This program is a production of A Shield and Refuge Ministry and Main Street Church of Brigham City. You can view current and past video episodes as well as download audio episodes of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. If you or someone you know is in need of assistance in leaving a polygamous situation, please contact us. We are here to help. All of our contact information can be found at shieldandrefuge.org or call us at 877-425-9993. If you have any questions or comments about this or any of our other programs, we'd love to hear from you. Write us at email at whatloveisthis.tv. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us again.